Welcome to episode 145 of the Truth Quest podcast, the truth about Georgia's election integrity law. Before we get started, I want to ask you to do me a favor and share the show. If you're on social media and topics such as illegal immigration, the Great Depression, Antifa, Clarence Thomas, or Rush Limbaugh comes up, please share the topic-specific TruthQuest episode with your debate partner. Episodes are available on a host of platforms including iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, BitChute, Brighteon, ThinkSpot, Rumble, and Instagram where I post a short highlight of each show at instagram.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. Whatever platform you may be listening to this or watching this on, please take a moment and give it a five-star rating or leave a positive review. Another way you can help grow the show is to throw a small donation my way at the TruthQuest Podcast patronage page. All donations will be used to drive awareness of the podcast through online advertising. See this episode's show notes page at truthquest.podbean.com for details. And finally, please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. In March of 2021, the Georgia legislature passed and the governor signed an update to their state's voting laws called the Election Integrity Act of 2021, or as I prefer to call it, the Easy to Vote, Hard to Cheat Act of 2021. The purpose of the update was to restore confidence in the state's elections, given the shenanigans that went on in Georgia, specifically Fulton County, during the 2020 election. You know, the one in which resident Biden won by less than 12,000 votes, the one plagued by voting irregularities, improprieties, and illegalities, including hundreds of thousands of illegal absentee and mail-in ballots, many of which had no chain of custody because of the drop boxes used. You know, the 10,000 ballots cast and counted by dead voters in Georgia, the 15,700 ballots cast and counted by ghost voters, the 2,400 ballots cast and counted by felons, and 2,400 cast and counted by non-registered voters, and the 20,312 cast and counted by non-residents who voted, and a few thousand underage voters to boot. All those numbers, by the way, are from an ongoing lawsuit in Georgia. What, you say? I thought all of Trump's lawsuits were dismissed. Uh, no, that's just what NPR, MSNBC, CNN, and other biased media outlets want you to think. you got to diversify your news sources. Given all of that, clearly it is within the realm of possibility that Trump won Georgia and other similarly situated battleground states. Back to the Election Integrity Act of 2021. The National Democrats' PR messaging machine is working overtime on this. The messaging memo dictates that the law be compared to the Jim Crow era. In this episode, I will decimate the National Democrats' false narrative and paint it for what it is, purposefully historically inaccurate and purposely inflammatory. Just another manipulative false narrative to feed to their ignorant head-in-the-sand voter base and their friends in the compliant media who, of course, parrot the PR memo message. This is nothing new. Because their totalitarian agenda is so unpopular with the majority of Americans, the National Democrats have been forced to employ this manipulative false narrative tactic for decades. Think about how they cast prominent Republicans as caricatures of themselves and presenting it as fact. Think about Republican presidents. Go back to Nixon, Ford, Reagan, the Bushes, Trump. What do you think when you hear their names? Most likely, the Democrat-crafted caricature. 
In addition to casting prominent Republicans as devils, dunces, cowboys, silver spooners, racists, and misogynists, they also publish and pronounce reams of disinformation and outright lies only put on steroids in the era of Trump. Think about all the lies the Democrats and the corporate press have pushed about him and anyone associated with him. From Russia collusion, Michael Flynn, which was the topic of episode 106, to Roger Stone, George Papadopoulos, the Steele dossier, two impeachments. Think about how they lied about racial issues. Just in the recent past, Trayvon Martin, Michael Brown, Breonna Taylor, the subject of episode 117, and George Floyd, of course, the subject of episode 107. Look at how they present Antifa, the subject of episode 143. What about the kids in cages false narrative? I covered that in episode number 51. Well, this Georgia law is just the latest in a long line of false narratives, faux controversies, faux outrage orchestrated by the PR machine at Democrat headquarters. These folks are good at what they do, no doubt about it. I just wish they would use their powers and their expertise for good, rather than destroying the country. When it comes to this issue, the update to the voting laws of Georgia to account for and clean up all the illegalities, irregularities, and improprieties perpetrated by the Democrat operatives in Georgia during the 2020 election, it's clear that the goal of the Democrats is to ensure that they have the ability to commit voter fraud whenever necessary. Like when a Democrat is losing on election night, then around midnight, they kick out all the observers and the media out of the vote tabulation area, pull out containers housing the right votes, and simply tabulate them until the desired candidate wins the race. You think I'm exaggerating? Look no further than HR1. Here's how I described it in the last episode, episode 144. Speaking of voter fraud, the House of Representatives passed the 790-page HR1 bill, the For the People Act of 2021. It is being presented as an election reform bill, but all it does is prove once and for all that in their lust for power, the National Democrats suffer from politically induced mental illness. Check out episode 136 for that. Here are some of the highlights of this bill. It essentially seizes control of the federal elections from the states, which, just in case you are wondering, is explicitly prohibited by the Constitution. Read Article 1, Section 4, Clause 1. It bars anyone challenging the law's constitutionality from every court in the nation except a single federal court in Washington, D.C. It mandates automatic voter registration in all 50 states. It mandates same-day and online registration. Mandates no-fault absentee ballots, doing away with witness signatures or notarization requirements. Additionally, it would force states to accept absentee ballots received up to 10 days after Election Day. It prevents election officials from removing ineligible voters from their voter rolls or confirming the eligibility and qualifications of voters. It ensures that illegal immigrants can vote. It allows felons to vote. It mandates early voting, legalizes nationwide mail-in voting, promotes ballot harvesting, mandates that states make absentee voter boxes available for 45 days within an election in unsecured drop boxes, made available 24 hours a day for ballot drop-offs. And finally, it bans voter ID laws, which in case you were curious, are supported by over 75% of Americans. H.R. 1 is the Democrats' attempt to institutionalize the same voter fraud that was perpetrated against the American people in battleground states during the 2020 presidential election. The National Democrats know that the advantageous COVID situation will not be available to them in 2022 or 2024, so they figure, what the hell? Let's just legislate the fraud. After all, who the hell is going to stop us? 
The National Democrats want us to believe that requiring voters to present photo ID is racist because, according to them, it's more difficult for African Americans and I guess every other minority to acquire an ID than non-minorities. I don't know about you, but that seems kind of racist. Following their own logic, all of these everyday activities are racist. The COVID-19 vaccine, buying alcohol, Sudafed, a gun, or cigarettes, opening a bank account, renting a car or an apartment, buying a car or a house, boarding a plane, visiting your doctor, applying for a loan, getting in a nightclub or a federal building. Back to the Georgia nonsense. Every article you read about the law calls it controversial or restrictive or racist. Every article you read and every mental midget talking head and left-wing columnist cite the provision that disallows election officials from providing water to voters. They repeat it over and over and over again. I will tell you the truth about that provision in a few minutes. It's section 33 of the law. Here's a typical headline from NBCNews.com. Georgia's Jim Crow voter suppression bill is now law. Here's how Democrats can fight back. Talk about an inaccurate, over-the-top title. Here's a quote from this story. As I read it, ask yourself what is controversial or suppressive about this law. While the law expands access to voting in some ways, such as lengthening times for early voting in general election, it also erects new unnecessary hurdles. Those wishing to vote absentee must now show a driver's license number or other documentation. People without a driver's license or state ID must submit additional proof of identity. Drop boxes must be located inside early voting locations and will no longer be placed in other locations convenient to voters like libraries or other government buildings. Moreover, the drop boxes will not be available to voters in the last four days of the election when it's too late to mail them in time. End quote. I gotta tell you, that is some lame-ass shit right there. The author mentions two good provisions in the first sentence, then unnecessary hurdles, like proving you are who you say you are, oh, and drop boxes placed in places where the chain of custody can be maintained. You mean no more unsupervised drop boxes where someone can drop off hundreds of illegal ballots day after day after day? Heaven forbid we move them to secure locations. More on that shortly. This being the Truth Quest podcast, I wanted to find out the truth about the supposedly controversial Jim Crow reinstating voter suppression bill in Georgia. It's 98 pages long, which of course is too long for your average reporter for NBCNews.com or NPR to read. I think it took me about an hour to read the whole thing because I was able to focus on the underlying text, which was the new verbiage introduced into the law, and the strikethrough text, because presumably the law was A-OK -okay prior to this revision, so I just focus on the revisions. Before I tell you what I discovered, let's tie a bow on the National Democrats' PR spin on this bill. As you know, everything flows through and from President Biden. You must listen to the words coming out of his mouth because despite the fact that he doesn't believe or even know what he's saying, the words, the messaging that he is being sent out to present is very important. So let's take it straight from the horse's mouth, or in this case, the jackass's mouth. Resident Biden criticized Georgia's new election integrity law as un-American, outrageous, a, quote, blatant attack on the Constitution, and claimed it was racially motivated. He said, this is Jim Crow in the 21st century. It must end. We have a moral and constitutional obligation to act. 
Biden said the law prohibits the providing of food or water to those in line at the polls. That was a lie. Biden said the law closes polls at 5 o'clock, suppressing working people. That's a lie. Coming from Biden, neither statement is a surprise because that's what liars do. They lie. So much so that the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, who repeated Biden's idiocy in their paper, had to issue a retraction. You know, because it's too difficult for a reporter at a liberal outlet to actually read the law like I did. They're too lazy, so they just parrot the Democrats' words. I will explain both of Biden's lies in more detail shortly. And I want to just pause here for a minute for some perspective. Biden gets this worked up over a law updating the election laws in one state. But he can't bring himself to condemn China for sending an entire community of people, the Uyghurs, to internment camps. He said it was a cultural difference, not his place to weigh in on such matters. Biden's the same guy who has nothing to say about China's handling of Hong Kong. But boy, does he get worked up over a law in Georgia. Biden also told ESPN that he would strongly support Major League Baseball moving the All-Star game from Atlanta, calling the Georgia law Jim Crow on steroids. Well played, Joe. More inflammatory language to be picked up by the corporate press and fed to your Democrat voters who must be kept in a constant state of agitation. For the benefit of my younger listeners, I want to pause here and explain this whole Jim Crow thing. See, Jim Crow refers to, an, to ethnic discrimination against blacks in America. These Jim Crow laws were a collection of state, local statutes that legalized racial segregation. The name comes from a popular black entertainer show character. The laws, which existed for about 100 years from post-Civil War era until 1968, were meant to marginalize African Americans by denying them the right to vote, hold jobs, get an education, or other opportunities. If you defied the laws, you faced arrest, fines, jail, sentences, violence, and death. Think Bull Connor, water cannons, segregation, the KKK, intimidation, and lynchings. Most relevant to the issue at hand, voting restrictions during this era included requiring voters to be property owners, literacy tests in order to vote, poll taxes, and grandfather clauses. Basically, if your grandfather was eligible to vote, then so were you. All were methods to suppress blacks' participation in elections since very few owned property, very few were properly educated, few could afford to pay a tax in order to vote, and very few had grandfathers who were eligible to vote in the early 1900s. So Joe Biden and the evil, disingenuous National Democrats and the assholes in the corporate press are making the case that a law that makes it easier to vote and harder to cheat is the equivalent of Bull Connor, water cannon, segregation, the KKK, intimidation, lynchings, and obstacles to voting. These people are out of their mind. It's laughable. Columnist Cal Thomas had this to say. I cover a lot of this in episode 38, The Truth About the Democratic Party. Here's what Cal had to say. Democrats should display some humility when it comes to African Americans and voting, since it was members of their party who opposed civil rights legislation, defended slavery in the 19th century, and promoted black codes in southern state legislatures that denied many rights to former slaves. Those were elected Democrats who stood in schoolhouse doors, denying access to black children. Democratic sheriffs clubbed people in the streets during demonstrations and sicked dogs on them, among other indignities. It was also the party that required poll taxes and literacy tests for blacks violating their right to vote. Now that the Democrats' PR messaging machine is running wide open and resident Biden has weighed in, the corporate cowards and brain-dead woke celebrities find it time to pounce. 
Major League Baseball pulled the All-Star game from Atlanta. This is the same league that holds some spring training camps in Communist China and plays games in Communist Cuba. They moved the All-Star game to Colorado and Denver, punishing the state of Georgia in general, but the predominantly black city of Atlanta with tens of millions of dollars in lost revenue. Colorado, by the way, is not only one of the whitest states in the Union, Denver is 9% black. Atlanta is 51%. And get this, the state of Colorado has a voter ID law. Oh, the horror. Why isn't Colorado's voting laws called Jim Crow and racist? Because it's a blue state. Democrats don't have to cheat to win there like they do in Georgia. See how the pieces of the puzzle start falling into place? Other corporate cowards include Coca-Cola, Apple Computer, United Airlines, and of course the usual list of celebrities came out of the woodwork to talk ignorant shit and pretend they are relevant. So what is the truth about this updated Georgia voting law? Section 2 of the law reads as follows, and it's kind of a summary of the whole thing. The General Assembly finds and declares that, following the 2018 and 2020 elections, there was significant lack of confidence in Georgia election systems, with many electors concerned about allegations of rampant vote suppression and many electors concerned about allegations of rampant voter fraud. Keep in mind, when they use the word electors, they mean voters. To continue, the stress of the 2020 elections with the dramatic increase in absentee mail-in ballots and pandemic restrictions demonstrated where there were opportunities to update existing processes to reduce the burden on election officials and boost voter confidence. Some outside groups, in sending multiple absentee ballot applications in 2020, often with incorrectly filled in voter information, led to significant confusion by electors. Clarifying the rules regarding absentee ballot applications will build elector confidence while not sacrificing the opportunities for electors to participate in the process. Opportunities for delivering absentee ballots to the drop boxes were first created by the state election board as a pandemic response. The drop boxes created by rule no longer existed in Georgia law when the emergency rules they created them expired. The General Assembly considered a variety of options and constructed a system that allows the use of drop boxes while also ensuring the security of the system and providing options in emergency situations. The number of duplicated ballots has continued to rise dramatically from 2016 through 2020, as has electors voting out of precinct. The changes in total reflect the General Assembly's considered judgment on the changes required to Georgia's election system to make it easy to vote and hard to cheat applying the lessons learned from conducting an election in the 2020 pandemic. So one of the major accomplishments of the law was how it deals with the state secretary of state. So first what they did was they stripped some election authority from that position. Then there were several provisions that essentially forced the secretary of state to do his job. This is really important because in many cases during the 2020 election, this, is, this went on in several states, the state secretary of state refused to do their job. The reason that is is because George Soros has been funding Secretary of State candidates all over the country for years. Following the Bush-Gore election, when the left railed against the handling of that case by then-Secretary of State Catherine Harris, a Republican, Soros saw an opportunity to buy off the Secretary of State's giving him a nice inroad to the election process in each state. I think of it like a, like a terrorist sleeper cell. Just wait for a close election in a battleground state and voila, activate your Secretary of State. Here are some of the specifics of the limiting power of the Georgia Secretary of State. 
lines 4 through 10 of the law, alters the structure of the state election board to bolster the legislature's power, giving the board more authority to discipline local officials. Later on in the law, it removed the Secretary of State from the state election board where he previously sat as the chairperson of the board and demoted him to an ex officio non-voting member. Line 279 states the Secretary of State shall, upon the request of the State Election Board, provide any and all necessary support and assistance to the State Election Board in its sole discretion, determines it's necessary to enforce this chapter or to carry out the conduct of its duties. Again, telling the Secretary of State to do his damn job. A few lines later, it says, Performance reviews of certain election officials requiring that the Secretary of State institute preliminary hearings within 30 days of receiving complaints. So in other words, you can't drag your feet anymore. Section 4 of the bill establishes a voter hotline to report complaints, voter intimidation, and illegal election activities. Section 17 deals with list maintenance of eligible voters. No more dead people or former residents voting. That's what Democrats call voter suppression. I'm dead serious, pardon the pun. Democrats argue that removing dead people from the voting rolls is voter suppression. Don't believe me? Put the words, Democrats, voter suppression, dead people, in your favorite search engine, preferably DuckDuckGo. See what you find. Anyway, Section 17 says, quote, The Secretary of State shall obtain regular information for such entity regarding electors who may have moved to another state, died, or otherwise become ineligible to vote in Georgia. The Secretary of State shall use information to conduct list maintenance on the list of eligible voters. Section 18 deals with reducing voters' wait times. So you tell me, if, as I read this, if it sounds like voter suppression. Quote, if at the previous general election, a precinct contained more than 2,000 electors, and if electors desiring to vote on the day of the election had to wait in line for more than one hour before checking in to vote, the superintendent shall either reduce the size of such precinct so that it shall contain not more than 2,000 electors in accordance with the procedures prescribed in this chapter for the division, alteration, and consolidation of precincts no later than 60 days before the next general election, or provide additional voting equipment or poll workers or both before the next general election, end quote. Oh, wow, man, is that controversial and restrictive. So much voter suppression going on there. Section 23 of the law deals with absentee ballot paper. The ballot shall be printed on security paper that incorporates features which can be used to authenticate the ballot as an official ballot, but which do not make the ballot identifiable to a particular elector. Section 25 deals with absentee ballot applications. It reads, To be timely received, an application for an absentee by mail ballot shall be received by the Board of Registrars or absentee ballot clerk no later than 11 days prior to the primary election or runoff. Any person applying for an absentee by mail ballot shall make application in writing on the form made available by the Secretary of State. In order to confirm the identity of the voter, such form shall require the elector to provide his or her name, date of birth, address as registered, address where the elector wishes the ballot to be mailed, and the number of his or her Georgia driver's license or identification card issued pursuant to Article 5, Chapter 5 of Title 40. There you go, folks. That's the dreaded racist voter ID. It continues. No one shall send absentee ballot applications directly to any elector except 
upon request of such elector or relative authorized to request an absentee ballot for such elector. All persons or entities other than the Secretary of State, election superintendents, boards of registers, boards of registrars, and absentee ballot clerks that send application for absentee ballots to electors in a primary election or runoff shall mail such applications only to individuals who have not already requested, received, or voted an absentee ballot in their primary election or runoff. Oh, the horror. You mean Democrats just can't send millions of absentee ballots to people who didn't ask for them, making it easy to stuff ballot boxes with duplicate votes? It goes on. Upon receipt of a timely application of an absentee ballot, a registrar or absentee ballot clerk shall enter there on the date received. The registrar or absentee ballot clerk shall verify the identity of the applicant. What? Verify that the person requesting the ballot is really a real person? That is so controversial. That's so restrictive. It's voter suppression and racist. Section 26 deals with drop boxes. In addition to what I mentioned at the beginning, it says, quote, the drop box location shall have adequate lighting and be under constant surveillance by an election official or his or her designee, law enforcement officer, or licensed security guard. Drop boxes are to be emptied every day by a team of two collection officials with a strict chain of custody regimen. Section 27 deals with absentee ballot delivery. It shortened the time when absentee ballots are sent from 49 days before the election to 29 days. It also requires identifying information from each voter must be provided on each absentee ballot and requires the voter to attest to their ballot to swear under penalty of false swearing that they are who they say they are and they are eligible to vote in the state of Georgia. How much more evidence do you need of racism? Section 28 deals with advanced voting. This section of the bill is really, really controversial as it states that advanced voting minimum hours of operations are 9 to 5, but it suggests 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., which directly contradicts liar-in-chief Biden's claims. But what can you do? That's what liars do. They lie. Section 28 of the bill also prescribes for a voting to be open on the second and third Saturday, as well as a new suggestion for two Sunday voting days. Again, the horror. The racist legislature is making it easier to vote but harder to cheat, and the National Democrats claim it's controversial, restrictive, and racist. By the way, look up how many other states offer Saturday and Sunday advanced voting. I dare you. Section 29 also deals with absentee ballots, dealing with the safekeeping, certification, and validation of absentee ballots, and the rejection of any ballots. Quote, specific instructions on the rejection of absentee ballots and instructions on when the outer envelopes are to be opened by election officials, who is to witness the opening, and when the ballots are to be scanned. Any person involved in processing and scanning absentee ballots shall swear an oath in the same form as the oath of poll officers, provided in another section of the law, prior to beginning the processing and scanning of absentee ballots. Section 30 of the law deals with absentee ballot application audits. Basically, it says there's a right to audit absentee ballot applications or envelopes during a 24-month retention period. Seems like a common-sense provision to me. I'm sure your run-of-the-mill Democrat in D.C. can figure out some racial avenue to point out that seems to make sense to them. Section 31 of the bill also discusses the hours the polls can be open. and basically says poll hours can only be extended by order of a superior court judge not by the whim of some elected or unelected election official who changes the rules as they go. 
Section 32 of the law deals with poll watchers. As you can imagine, poll watchers must have proper access to view, quote, fairly observe the procedures, end quote. Section 33 deals with campaign activity restrictions, specifically restrictions on campaign activities within the vicinity of the polling place, cellular phone use prohibited, and prohibition of candidates from entering certain poll places. So this is the section of the legislation that, for some reason, the Democrats have declared this is the hill to die on. They claim that is an inhumane provision that denies water to potential heat stroke victims as they stand in unending lines on election day, when in actuality it bans partisans from providing food or water to those standing in line. Quote, no person shall solicit votes in any manner or by any means or method, nor shall any person distribute or display any campaign material. Nor shall any person give, offer to give, or participate in the giving of any money or gifts, including but not limited to food and drink, to an elector. Nor shall any person solicit signatures for any petition. Nor shall any person other than the election officials discharging their duties establish or set up a table or booths in any day on which the ballots are being cast. This code section shall not be construed to prohibit a poll officer from distributing materials as required by law which are necessary for the purpose of instructing electors or by distributing materials prepared by the Secretary of State, which are designed solely for the purpose of encouraging voter participation in the election being conducted or from making available self-service water from an unintended receptacle to an elector waiting in line to vote. Oh, see that last part? That That's underlined in the, in the bill, and that's the new part. That's the new verbiage from the law proving that Joe Biden is a walking, talking, lying, garbage politician that couldn't give two shits about you, the truth, or the country. The only thing on his agenda is to push the PR machine's message. And finally, the last few sections of the law, sections 34 and 35, deal with provisional ballot clarifications. Section 36 deals with vote counts and accounting procedures when polls close. And section 39, handling damaged ballots. As Bugs Bunny used to say, that's all, folks. This whole situation is pretty simple. The Democrat Party's agenda is not supported by the majority of the electorate, so in order to win elections, they literally lie, cheat, and steal. In this case, they lie about the Georgia election law because they were able to cheat in Fulton County, Georgia during the 2020 election in order to steal the 16 electoral votes from Trump. The Democrats have shown their hand here. The Democrat-led House of Representatives passed H.R. 1, as I discussed earlier in the episode, where they are trying to literally institutionalize or legalize voter fraud. Why aren't they raising hell about voter ID laws in states like Colorado? Why don't they rail against election laws in New Jersey and Delaware that are more restricted than Georgia's? Because they're all firm blue states. They don't have to really compete there to win, but the few battleground states like Georgia better not try anything that might hurt their chances of committing voter fraud. Plus, what they really fear is what happens a lot of times in legislation like that. It becomes known as model legislation, which just means that other state legislatures basically copy it. What are the Democrats going to do if we actually have election integrity? This whole uproar is absurd on its face, but the Democrats' playbook requires constant chaos. This is just the latest. They tell blatant lies about the law, feign outrage, mix in a little racial overtone, and voila, another instant crisis. I mean, really, how is making sure every ballot cast is legitimate? How is that voter suppression? How is doing a better job of ensuring ballot integrity and boosting confidence in election outcomes racist? Critics claim that the new law negatively affects 
African-American voters. They think blacks are so incompetent that they can't do the minimum required in order to vote. That seems racist to me, and I'm not one of those that sees racism around every corner like, like the National Democrats. So at the end of the day, the Democrats want you to believe that making it easy to vote and hard to cheat is controversial, racist, restrictive, and equates to voter suppression. And that's the truth about Georgia's election integrity law. Please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast.